Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. This episode is brought to you by Gilt. So when it comes to building wealth, taxes are such a big part of the strategy. And even if you're already filed, being proactive about this year to lower your future liability is so important. Gelt actually provides a proactive approach to tax strategy, combining innovative technology and expert CPAs by creating personalized tax strategies for your unique financial needs of multiple revenue streams, M&As, restricted stocks, various investments and more. You can keep your hard-earned money. Our, their proprietary platform ultimately gives you the full transparency of your tax management and direct communication with your CPA to reach your financial goals and grow for your wealth faster. So again, you know, if you're interested in this, go to joingelt.com. Uh, and they are actually on the show notes that I'm going to be posting a very special offer for you all that you can actually enjoy. So again, you know, join Gelt. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have an entrepreneur that is joining us, you know, originally from Startup Nation. We're going to be talking about building, scaling, financing, all of the good stuff that we like to hear, especially on transforming, you know, something that has to do with an old and outdated industry. Uh, and uh, getting into an industry where you have no idea, you know, you have no experience, nothing, you haven't done it before, or no ties. And there is also, you know, an environment that doesn't really facilitate that because people are on something else. But without further ado, let's welcome our guest today so that we can learn everything about it. So let's welcome Abib Levici. Welcome to the show. Hi, Alejandro. Uh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Uh, and yeah, happy to speak about all those things and more. So originally born there in Israel. So give us a little of a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up there? Well, grew up in Israel. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic place in many, many ways. You know, weather-wise especially. Well, except for the summer, which is a pain in the Middle East. But, but pretty much. Uh, pretty standard childhood. Um, but in Israel, like in Israel, everybody, you know, you become 18 at some point and you do this thing where you join the, um, you know, the army, your service. So that's where it pretty much starts. And how did you get into computers, you know, before the army and before all this? I mean, what, what, what was that the, that trigger to computers? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I don't think I've been asked that almost ever, but I guess, well, both my parents uh, come from the field. So that surely had something to do with it. Um, and it just always interested me. So in your case, you know, obviously when, when you're in Israel, you need to do the army. And in this case, you did a program that combined training and education, you know, all in one. And you did that for nine years. I mean, that's a, that's a long time. I mean, typically, it's, does it last that long? Is it less? I mean, did you... Were you liking it so much that you were like, I'm going to just take it to a whole nother level? Or what, what, what was going on there, Aviv? Yeah, yeah. No, it's actually, no, no, no. A standard service would be three years. And it's actually quite a crazy thing because they offer you this program if you're, you know, if you're accepted to it, which is for your three years where you're meant to serve, you're not 
exactly serving. You're more learning. You're getting a university degree, and you're learning about technologies, and you're being trained, and you you know they're building your skills and 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 leadership and presentation and and all sorts of things. And you do that for three years, but the deal is that you then you know have a proper role for six years. So if you think about it, you're an 18 years old kid. And you sign up to a program that is basically signing up for nine years. So you're signing up for a duration that is 50% of your life at that point thus far. It's quite a crazy thing, but I, I don't regret it for a second. And what, what did you gain out of uh, this program? And obviously, you met your co-founders, Roy and, and Yakir, but, uh, but what did you get out of, out of this program? What, what were some of those lessons? I'm sure that the ethic and the discipline was off the charts. Uh, yeah, many, many things. Um, first of all, there are many, many Israeli uh, founders that have come from that program, even though it's not that big a program. And I think that's a lot to do with the sort of training that happens and the sort of people that are recruited. And it's meant to build, you know, it's meant to build people that can go then and lead the technological efforts in, you know, in the Israeli defense, um, defense industry. So obviously, that means that you need to understand technology. And you need to understand leadership and you need to understand how you know to motivate people you need to understand how to manage and, and the such so that is very good prep for you know starting a company but not just the skills and the the learning that you go through all of my best friends in this world are from that program as you said my two co-founders are from that program who also happen to be two of my best friends and it's all just you know it's 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 a very big part of my life so when you meet your co-founders there, I mean, they, they, they stayed for a little bit longer. You know, you got out, you were doing your consulting, your skiing, you know, the good life, the good life, you know, waiting for yeah, your co-founders to come life. out. And yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I guess uh, at what point, you know, when you guys met and you guys were discussing there, is it really clear that you guys are going to be doing something and that it was worth the wait for you to wait for them to come out and build something? Yeah, well, that's actually, that's pretty crazy because we were good friends and we thought that we know how to, you know, cooperate, that we have completing personalities and we can cooperate together quite well. And so I finished my service. This was like 2016. I knew they still had a year, but in any case, I wanted, I wanted to do my skiing time and I could consult remotely. So I went off to live in France and the Alps, ski when you when there's sun, work when there's not, work by the hour. As you say, the good life, I got to tell you, to this day, obviously being a co-founder is quite the, you know, the stressful and the busy life. And I have these days when I say, man, you were living in a ski resort. What was wrong with that? You know, what was the problem with that? But, uh, but then they actually came to visit me, um, them and other friends, you know, to, for a week of skiing. And Roy's wife said, you know, gathers, gathers the three of us in a room and says, well, come on, you know you're doing it. You're not actually saying it. Just say it and do it. And then we'll, well, yeah, okay, we'll do it. Uh, so then I came back. We started just chatting because they were still in their roles. And then towards the end of 2017, they finished their roles and we started, you know, started actually doing this, looking into it. So what was that process of looking into it? What, 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 would it, what did that look like until you guys were like, okay, let's go? Yeah. We didn't know at first 
what the industry will be, what the technology will be, what the product will be. We didn't know anything, really. We knew two things. We knew it's going to be the three of us together. And we knew that we wanted it to be solving a very much real-world problem. So we were looking into all sorts of industries, healthcare, agriculture, uh, automotive, transportation, um, all sorts. And we were basically, the nice thing about being in Israel and from Telpiot is that you can very easily speak to a lot of co-founders. And we just went through meetings and meetings of, you know, learning from people's experience. How did they go about starting their company? How did they go about deciding what they do? Um, such a process and looking into things regularly. And then suddenly at some point we got to construction um, and sort of it started, call it from there, receiving a bit more focus. But construction, you know, it sounded like not the typical uh, segment that someone would do there in Israel, because I mean, there in Israel is more like cybersecurity and stuff like that. Construction, you know, it's a, a little bit, you know, out of left field. So uh, did you guys have the fear of, um, you know, maybe, hey, you know, we don't have like this crazy experience or maybe we're not in the right type of environment or ecosystem to be able to build this? Well, I think we should have had it. We didn't, but we probably should have. Um, we Again, we wanted this to be very much real world, you know? And we thought, we actually, what happened is Yakir, a good friend of his from like, from like the age of six or something, works for one of the biggest construction companies in Israel. He told us, man, you got to meet this guy who works with him. We met that guy and that guy just sat with us for an hour and told us why it is that we need to come to construction why that is the right thing to do, why this industry has a lot of room for innovation, why it wants innovation, why it doesn't have enough of it yet, um, and the such and the such. And we said, okay, we'll give it a go. We'll give it two months. And if in two months we don't feel like it's real, we will step back. Now, obviously, when you say that, that won't necessarily happen when those two months come. Um, but later down the line, we found that, yes, we are the odd duck. You know, we would get into, once we already had an idea and, you know, we knew what we were doing, we knew what the product was going to be, we knew what the market was going to be, well, to an extent. And then we started meeting with investors. And some of that experience was telling certain people, oh, we're doing this thing in construction. And they look at you and say, construction? Seriously? <laughs> because it's very, you know, weird and unique. Uh, we actually had one experience, which was extreme. I, obviously, I won't name the person, but where we sat in a room with an investor and said, we said, look, I don't know anything about construction, and I've never had a construction tech company. And honestly, I won't invest in you guys if you do construction tech. But if you say right now that you do cybersecurity without knowing what it is that you will do, I will give you a seed round of $4 million now, and you go figure out what you do with it. Wow. And I mean, that's not a really nice sweetener. That's like putting money on your face. Why yeah. didn't you guys take that? What conviction? I mean, what conviction did you guys have to, because I mean, it, it, it sounds, you know, like you get 4 million bucks in front of your face and, you know, I'm sure that you guys thought about that and, 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 and you had a thought process there or some type of conviction, you know, that they, it was just like a no brainer to keep going. I mean, what, what was that? It was never really about completely the money, you know? 
I'm, I'm, I won't sit here and, and lie. There's, there's, that's an aspect of it. But we wanted to do something that we feel, um, we feel is right for us. We feel is big. We feel affects something that we can feel and see and changes processes in the real world of people that we can really see and, and relate with. And we wanted it to be something along, you know, along those lines and be in a, in a more, call it <laughs> concrete, excuse the pun, industry. So what, what on those two months that you guys gave yourselves to see if you could do something here or not, what was the goal? What was the validation or the signaling that you were trying to, to find or to look for to say, okay, I think that they will keep going? It was first mainly just understanding what this industry is. You know, we don't have, didn't have at the time any background from this industry. We did not have any family ties in this industry or anything of the sort. It was about learning, okay, what is a construction company? What is a construction project? What does it look like? How does it operate? So that we can understand if we find a problem that is A, worth solving, and B, we know how to, or hope we know how to solve. So that was the two months, was saying, we'll see if in two months we have a good idea in this industry. Uh, did we really have the idea in two months? No. Did we feel like we are really on the, you know, on the path to get it? Yes. So we stuck around. So then tell us about that day where all of a sudden you are trying to go to sleep and you're looking at the ceiling and you can't because, you know, you've stroken gold, you know, and you finally found what you were looking for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, we were, we came here to London to a, it's called Open Doors. The construction industry in London arranges, you can sign up online for guided tours of construction projects. It's a very unique thing. Uh, it's not meant for software people from Israel. It's more meant for people who are considering to work on site or for people from the area, but we signed up and we came and we were weird. I remember one guy, you know, doing this tour, asking everyone where they're from and what they are. And we're like, we're software people from Israel. And he looks at us, like shocked, like, okay, moving on. Um, and as we did that, we also managed to get a couple of them to allow us to just sit in, sit in on their meetings of the construction project, like weekly ones. And you're sitting there and you're seeing how they're trying to discuss what needs to happen next week, but they cannot agree on what has already happened up until now. There are Four people in the room, there are more, but anyway, four people discussing, and there are four different views of what has actually happened and what has not. And for me, coming from, you know, the background that we came from, we're like, how can you manage a project when you're trying to plan next week, but you don't actually know what is already done? So how can you plan what's going to happen next week? It can't be done, you know? And then you start discussing it with them, and you walk around site with them, and you understand just how difficult it is, or I will say impossible, to really know fully, truly what is done. And you realize that this is a big issue um, and we need to solve that. So obviously, you know, at that point, Bill Dutch, you know, is born eh? and yeah. uh, you guys are off to the races. So I guess for the people that are listening to get it, what ended up being the business model of Bill Dutch? How do you guys, how do you guys make money? Yeah, so the tool is, is simple and complex. You capture a video of the construction project. Our AI will analyze that and will tell you what is done, what is not done, what is missing, what is delayed, what was done incorrectly, everything you need to, to you know, information that you need to make decisions and to manage the process. 
we sell it to companies on a per project basis. So they do one project with me, they do five, they do 10, they do 50. And it's just a, a monthly, you know, software as a service subscription, which they pay for. And, uh, and that's it. Typically, or I'd say 90% of our customers are construction companies. So not say real estate developers or anyone else, but the actual construction company. Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by .tech Domains. I mean, I can tell you one thing, and that is that as a founder, you're always thinking about branding. Now, one thing that is very important in that, you know, is that you need traction, you need to grow, you need to succeed. And having a name that is recognizable on a really amazing domain is the way to go. So that is why it's very important to establish the online presence with a clear and distinguishable identity. And you can do that with dot tech domains. So dot tech domains are the go-to namespace to build anything in tech. They have actually helped many brands in the industry to make a name for themselves, just like onex.tech with their advanced Androids designed to replicate human movements and behaviors. So really, really, really cool stuff and cutting edge. And again, thousands of companies like this, you know, are also taking advantage of .tech domains. So uh, also remember that .tech domains can do the same, you know, for your company. They're also providing a great offer to every single one of you in the DealMakers audience. Is one-year domain for $10 and a five-year domain for $50. So head now to the special URL, which is go.tech slash DealMakers. And that is, again, go.tech forward slash DealMakers. So go get your own domain. So, so then going back to the story, you know, when you realize that you guys are into something, you know, now big and, and, and you see that, uh, you know, you have the validation, you know, especially, you know, after interacting with all of these, uh, you know, industry people, what were the next steps that you decided to take? Because, I mean, obviously you needed to build this thing, you know, you, that, that costs money. I mean, well, what were the next steps that you guys decided to take to, to really bring this to life? Yeah. So obviously at that point, you want to start this company and you say, well, my first milestone is to get a seed investment and start building a company. So what do I need to do to get a seed investment? And going back to what I said before, construction is, especially at the time, was weird for investors, especially in Israel. You know, most of them have never heard of a construction tech company. So we thought to ourselves, we need to have some level of showing that it can be done. We need to have some level of showing that the industry is interested in it. Those were the two pillars. So we started building, and Yakir started building, you know, the, the, the very first uh, AI algorithms that will be able to, to do some of this. Um, and at the same time, we started interacting with construction companies. So we were doing that in two ways. One is whoever would let us, you know, walk around with them or be with them and learn. I actually had a, I had a deal with uh, what is called the construction uh, superintendent. Uh, has a different name in Israel, but anyway, I would come in in the morning. I bring coffee and pastries. If anything needs to be carried during the day, I carry it. And his side of the deal was that I get to walk around with him and I get to ask as many questions as I want. Uh, so you're doing things like that. And of course, we wanted to start approaching these companies and saying, you know, this is what we're going to do and get to some level of, as you know, real validation from them that they're interested. And we wanted to, you know, almost have them on board. We don't have a product yet. And we were actually 
you know, we were building like POCs of technology and doing captures ourselves and, you know, building like videos with zero, obviously, production budget because we were, weren't even working. We didn't have money. Yeah. So a zero budget, but we built quite embarrassing videos, to be fair, because we built them ourselves, but they showed what this thing will be and how it will work and what it will do. And with that, we started going to the companies and we got two of them on board, two very big construction companies here in the UK, like on board to say, yes, we're seriously interested in this and we could allow then and, and one big company in Israel as well. And we then could allow potential investors to speak to people from those companies uh, and see that, you know, that it's a real thing. So then, you know, obviously, you know, like it's a, everything becomes more real as days go by and you ended up, you know, raising money. Uh, just for the people that are listening now, you know, to get an understanding of it, how much capital have you guys raised to date? $106 million. My God, I mean, that's a lot of uh, millions. Eh? So, um, so how, how, how was that journey of raising this money, you know, from the seed, you know, all the way to the latest round that you guys have done? You know, what, what has been that experience going from one cycle to the next? Yeah, well, um, I'm sure we have entrepreneurs and I'm sure we have investors listening to this. So they, both sides would know that it's a crazy ride. But, you know, we took the seed money in. It was like about $3 million. Uh, late 2018, started working on the product and we're really just looking to get the first version of it and a couple of customers. And that's what we did. And the very first customer started using this and paying for it late 2019. And we got a few more and some interest and discussions. And then we raised another round, which was about $11 million. This was actually just before COVID, like really a month or two before COVID uh, became a thing. And COVID hit and we started deploying all across the world, really, um, because it was all virtual anyway. And started having a few projects in London, in the States, and elsewhere in Europe, in Israel, of course. And then raised... The next round, after getting some more traction and, of course, developing the product, which was $30 million, more or less, that would be uh, that late 2020, late 2021, mid-2020 mid or mid-2021. I'm, I'm losing track of timelines here, but one of those. And, and then continued. And what we also did, we, we developed our you know, the market, but we also got one very big customer uh, that I cannot really name, but, but it was a very big deal. And that showed the potential that could be here because there are many possible such clients. And therefore we raised another round, which was late last, not last year, the year before, so late, um, late 2021 uh, or beginning of 2022 which was the extra 60 million, which brings us to this total. And here we are now. So obviously to bring all those investors, you know, trust needed to be present. What does trust look like when it's present and how do you work on building that with investors so that they, you know, go over the edge and, and, and sign you a check? It's a good question. I think we, we treat investors and customers in much the same way. You know, it's not about, I'm not going to tell you stories. I can tell you things that 
aren't true. I'm not going to sell to you things that don't I don't have yet. Um, I'm not going to sell you dreams about this company that aren't real. I will tell you what my dreams about this company are, but I will tell you that they are not, you know, reality yet. And I think it's just being a very real person, and and I think people you know relate to that. Um, and, and we allowed. Anything you want to speak to a customer, you speak to a customer. You want to speak to an employee, you speak to an employee. I mean, it's fine. So then, in that case, you know, too, you had to sell these investors on vision, right? So when we think about the vision, imagine you were to go to sleep tonight, and you wake up in a world where the vision of Builders is fully realized. What does that world look like? Fully realized. Fully realized. Well, I don't think I've ever been on record saying what does it mean to be fully realized, but let's go. Um, in a fully realized world, construction projects, buildings are just built much quicker. Much quicker, I mean, at least 30% less time, if not 50. The costs are way down because there's a lot of less waste of all sorts of kinds of time, of effort, of people's time, of, of resource. And that makes everything cost less. You know, that makes apartments cost less, that makes homes cost less, that makes office spaces cost less, everything. Um, and very importantly, it's a world in which construction companies make, make real money because right now they're making very, very, very tight margins and it becomes an industry of a lot of stress and a lot of risk. And I, you know, part of it is to make that risk a bit, a bit lower. Now, talking about those construction companies, you know, you guys literally are bringing innovation to a very outdated, you know, space, you know, an industry. How does it work to really, you know, pave the way, be a trailblazer, and most importantly, educate people, educate people that have been used to a certain way of, of doing things for so long, where, you know, all of a sudden, this is kind of like putting people outside of their comfort zones to to certain degrees. So how do you go about really getting that education, getting people ramped up and, 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 and so that you guys can continue to grow? Yeah, I think, you know, going back to that guy that we sat with and told us construction, construction, come to construction, it needs it. He promised that the construction industry is looking for it. And years after now, I can say that he was right. Because the, the people in this world who most feel that the challenge of construction is unbelievable and that something needs to change is the construction people. Now, yes, construction has been managed the same way for 50 years, but they know far better than I do that it's extremely difficult. It's difficult to get a good result. It's difficult for them personally. It's a very stressful life to be managing on site, on a construction site. And they know all this. And I think they are, they are very, very, very down to earth and they have very real problems and a lot of stress. So if you come with something that isn't accurate, they will kick you out the door. But if you come with something that they can see will have true value for them, for their company, for them personally, all of it, then they completely hug you. And then, yeah, you need, but, but you need to do that work of showing them that it's a real thing. Uh, you know, and that's a marketing challenge. That's a sales challenge. That's a customer success challenge. It's all of it. But if you do that well and, they, and you succeed to send them the right message and explain what you're really trying to do, they embrace it. So for the people that are listening, you know, to get an idea on the scope and size, you know, what do you feel comfortable sharing? I mean, how, how big is the company in terms of maybe like number of employees or anything else that you feel comfortable sharing? 
Yeah, the company is uh, about 150 employees, give, a, give or take. Um, it's the main office is in Tel Aviv. That's where about 100 of the employees are based. We then have an office here in London of around 30 people and others um, spread. So we have people in the US, we have people, uh, a few in Germany, um, things like that. So what does culture look like when you have people spread all over the world? Yeah, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. You have people spread over time zones and you have people spread over cultures. There's a, there's a funny, funny little uh, slide. I think it's from Intel or somewhere where uh, the American side explains to people, you know, what Israelis are going to be like and why it's, it's a different culture. So it, it requires a lot of work. Integrating, you know, that requires a lot of work. We made mistakes at first. I got to say, you know, we were a company full of Israeli people and started hiring people elsewhere. And we, we didn't necessarily do that ideally at first, but I think that right now it's working very well. And somehow we have Israelis working in London, yeah, myself included. We have um, British and American people working in Tel Aviv. We have uh, an Israeli in New York. So we kind of have people all over from all sorts of backgrounds, and it's working quite well. Now, I guess, you know, we we're talking about the, you know, future earlier. And uh, I want to talk about now the past, but doing so with a lens of reflection. If I was to bring you into a time machine back in time, and I bring you back in time, so perhaps that moment that you're in a ski resort, just enjoying, you know, living your best life. And you're wondering at that point, you know, while you're waiting for your co-founders, you know, what kind of company, you know, you guys were going to be building. But you have the opportunity of all of a sudden just sitting down right next to you, right there. And uh, being able and giving yourself the chance of giving that younger self, that younger Abib, one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now? Ah, that's a good one. I'll tell you this. Our very first investor, our very first board member, told us, the three of us, that if we don't have 20% of our time that we don't know what to do with, that is a problem. And he said that because he said, you are this company and you need to have time you know, to think about things, to think about the real issues, to, to, to digest and to to think about the big picture and what needs to change, not just do, do, do. And I think that was the best, I mean, the most important thing. Uh, I did not implement it, let's be fair, okay? I was and am still extremely busy, but I think I'm better at it today than I was at the time. And I think, I think it means that it took me longer than I would have wanted to you know, identify certain things that I think, ah, oh, this needs to change. And if I had more breathing space, that would have been better. And of course, that comes hand in hand with hiring. Everybody knows it. Everybody says it. But I will say it too. Hiring the right people is just so much more important than anything else. Wow. That is so profound and so powerful, Abib. I actually love that. Now, for the people that are listening that would love to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so? Well, buildus.com is one option. Um, emailing Aviv, A-V-I-V, at buildus.com is another. I'm happy to, to chat to basically anyone about interesting things. Easy enough, Aviv. Well, hey, well, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. 
Thank you. It has been an honor to be here. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.